Welcome to the Boyd and Brooks podcast. I'm Laura Blavier Boyd. I'm Genevieve Nadler Brooks, and we are your hosts. On the Boyd and Brooks podcast, we want to bring you meaningful and fun spiritual conversations. In these conversations, we seek to explore vocational callings, authentic living, life mottos, and how faith and spirituality play an integral role in our lives. We hope that you will listen, enjoy, and share the podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to the Boyd and Brooks podcast on iTunes. It makes this podcast really easy to find in whatever platform you use to manage your podcasts. It also helps our podcast to be easier to find for other people. You can find us on social media. Our favorite is Instagram at Boyd and Brooks, as well as our blog, boydandbrooks.com. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the Boyd and Brooks podcast. Today we are talking about calling. Yeah, and faith stories because... We, Genevieve Nadler-Brooks and Laura Boivier-Boyd, we do work in ministry context. And so, so much of our calling is very much intertwined with our faith story. And the more that I think that we talk to these guests, the more that I realize that their faith stories and their calling are also so intertwined, which is really interesting. Yeah. So, Laura... Tell us about your call story. How did you get to this place and discover your faith? Oh my gosh, such a long story. But <laughs> so I'm going to try and like condense this a little bit. Great. But um, so I'm about to give my faith story publicly for the very first time. Mm. Um, and so was raised in a retirement community of all things in Florida, which is a really interesting way to be raised. Um, so my church was probably one of the larger churches in my town. Um, it was a re- really conservative. I mean, I've, I was raised Baptist. I've been pretty open about that. And um, so, you know, growing up with, you know, I've got my King James Version Bible that I'm being raised with. I'm, I'm memorizing scripture like John three sixteen as the, the, the cornerstone foundation of my faith. I'm, you know, the context of ministry and teaching is we need to spread the gospel. We need to evangelize. We need to get people saved. Um there's a lot of, you know, unfortunately, like hellfire and damnation kind of preaching um, that, that's kind of scary because it almost felt as if, yeah, even if you are quote unquote saved, I, I maybe want to make you doubt this a little bit so you can just make sure. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times I identified with the terminology fire insurance. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> You know, it would be like, well, yeah, I know I'm saved, but maybe I'm not. So I want to get my fire insurance. Mm. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go forward on my altar call again. I am not saying this flippantly in any way for someone who is a very devout Baptist and really um, affirms Baptist theology. I'm just simply saying this is kind of how I was raised. And it was difficult because, you know, you're kind of taught, you know, this scripture is, it's black and white and it's, it's true. It's true. It's true. There's nothing to question here. But at the same time, I'm feeling like, wait, what? I'm questioning everything. So no one is affirming any questions. And I remember I'm, I'm in church, I'm in worship. I'm, I'm noting like, it's always the men coming forward for communion it's always the men coming forward to do the offering. They're always, they're the ushers, the greeters. And by coming forward for communion, you mean to serve. To serve, correct, right, yeah. Right, right. And I, unlike some of our, our people that we have interviewed, they've auditorily heard God speak to mm-hmm. them. That's never happened to me. Mm-hmm. But I did have a very strong sense and feeling that I would be a deacon someday. Mm. 
And so, so now I'm kind of backtracking because I'm like, but there's, wait a minute, guys, there's, there's no women here doing these things. Mm. So I'm like, what does this mean? Right. And then I'm, so now I'm starting to doubt and I, I'm like, you know, who are you to tell me that I shouldn't do this when I am identifying that God is telling me, leading me that I need to do this. Right. So, I mean, I graduate, I, I've had, I had a great youth group experience, um, great sense of community, but I'm, I'm kind of leaving with some question marks and I get to college. I feel so incredibly lucky. I was at a Baptist college university, but one of my religion professors was Presbyterian and, um, she I can't even imagine what it must have been like for her, you know, with a, a lot of very conservative fundamentalist kids coming and into her classes and her kind of just like very subtly, step by step, kind of making them question in a very good and healthy way what they believed. And so what happened for me was all of these things start breaking down. I'm, I'm getting into scripture. I'm reading commentary. I'm reading all these books. I'm like, it's very intellectual for me now. And it, it actually goes so far in the intellectual realm that I go through a period of time where I really identified as agnostic because I could believe that there was a God, but I'm like, guys, everything else is, I don't even know what to say about this stuff anymore. And so the other thing she does is she starts affirming me though. She's like, yeah, good question. You know, she's really the first person who starts believing in me and sees me as smart and makes me feel like I'm enough and that I'm grappling in such a good, healthy way. So it starts building back up. And then she starts like saying, I think you should go to divinity school. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm here to become an attorney. I'm here because I want to work 80 hours a week. I, I want to be in my corner office. I don't want to get married. I just want to make a lot of money and have a great condo. And maybe take two vacations a year. This is what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, um, you know, by that point, it's just like slowly being built back. But again, I'm in like this such crazy area because she's talking to me about vocation. Mm. And her big thing was you need to have meaningful work. Mm. And it that leaves such a, it's like those words are like transcribed on my heart oh, at this point. Yeah. You know, and I... There have been times in my life where I have been like, I don't care about meaningful work anymore. I just want to make a lot of money. But it's like I literally, it would pain me to do something that I didn't care about right. or that I didn't feel called to do. It just would not be fulfilling. Yeah. And so, do you want me to keep going with this? With yeah. Like this? Okay. So, I... I'm like, transcribe down your heart. Go, girl. There it keep is. It, keep it going. So, I, so I, I started having... I, I actually, I almost... I almost leave school and going a little backwards in the story because um, my parents forget to fill out the FAFSA form. So I literally have no financial aid for my second year. I'm crying in somebody's office who's in charge of retaining students and she sees I'm, I'm a good student. She's like, hey, there's a scholarship program, community um, service scholarship program. I think you'd be great. Uh, uh, usually this is just for entering freshmen, but uh, somebody dropped out, so there's a spot for you. I'm lucky I speak with them. They offer me a position based on some volunteer work I've done in high school. And um, I end up in Campbell County, Tennessee one summer for a whole summer with, with a few other Bonner Scholars. This is the Bonner Scholar program. And I'm living in 
on this land trust in the middle of nowhere. Most people are on welfare at the time because there's no jobs in very rural Appalachia. And um, a lot of them are, are raising cash crops, you know, in order. But there's a nun. There's this nun who lives in this community. She's been actually excommunicated from her order. Not from the church, but like she's been thrown out of her order. And she's basically caring for these people in this community. Just making sure they have everything that they need. Clothes, food. I mean, like very base level, like I'm here for you. I'm going to live out her own call. So it's almost like I've only been reflecting on that recently, but that's been like really tucked away in there. And so this is where, again, I'm starting to break this, this, this lawyer dream is starting to break down a little bit. So I'm like, maybe this is not going to be the most fulfilling thing that, that that's for me. And so I graduate in three years. So I'm graduating early. I have no plan. I'm like, great, I'm graduating. I, I just got married. I have no job. What am I going to do? My first job is as a secretary in a Presbyterian church. No way. Yes. <laughs> so again, so now like now it's like, okay, I've got these two little Presbyterian nuggets that are kind of going around. Um, I go home. I try to get my mom to go to a Presbyterian church with me. You know, she goes. She's not happy about it. <laughs> you know, we have this experience. And so I end up later just forwarding ahead. I'm working in higher education and admissions, and I'm, I'm journeying with these students and their, and their families, like taking them into the college experience. It's really great. But at, at each step, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, but now you have these career counseling questions. And I'm like, oh, I really wish I could help with that. Or what would it be like if I was still really involved with you once you're here? You know, or they tell me, like, I really want to come here, but there's all these personal problems that are in the way. And I'm like, oh, what if I was equipped to help them with this? And so I start thinking about student development and counseling as, like, a career path. All the while, I'm still kind of dabbling with this law thing. So at this point, you know, it's, it's, it's really trying to feel like I had a plan and God started laughing. And God's mm-hmm. like, you're so cute <laughs> with your plan. But really, we're not going to go in that direction. And so it's just like every step of the way, God is just quietly leading me into this other work. And I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm loving it, but I'm also kind of like, oh, but I almost feel like I gave up something. And um, I end up, I go to graduate school. I pursue this. I, I, I'm, I'm deeply immersed in this. I, I become a licensed counselor, which is such amazing work to so sacred, so holy to really journey with someone in their deepest pains and in their greatest joys. And their those seven years were incredible, but they were also the most emotionally draining, taxing years of my life. And um, I burn out. I'm driving around in 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 Raleigh one day, and I cry out to God. God, please, I have no energy to look for a job. Just bring me something. And shortly thereafter, I meet, I'm already a volunteer in a, in a youth program, a student ministry. And um, the person says, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. But hey, I think you'd be really great at this. And it was, it was as if God heard me. Mm-hmm. And God was like, I'm now going to bring you into this new thing. Mm. And so... 
we love talking about how old things die away so right. that new things can be born. Right. And it was really like a closing of a chapter in private practice to go into this more, honestly, more full, vibrant, rich work where it wasn't in secret. It's open. It's honest. It's authentic living. It's encouraging students and their families to live authentically. And um, being able to really delve into the spiritual part is... I've, I've never been happier. It's like finally all the pieces have come together. Yeah. And I think that's when you realize I am living my call. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So that that's how it happened. That's and that's so where crazy. I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All the pieces, the twists, yeah. the turns, the how am I going to stay in school? Right. Somebody dropped out. Right. So, I mean, the threat is God was there every step of the way. Yeah. You know, I remember one time I said to my mom, it was right after graduate school, there were no jobs. Right. And I'm working in a shoe store. Mm-hmm. And, which there's nothing like taking you down a few pegs after <laughs> you get your master's degree and you're <laughs> right. like, I'm going to sell some shoes now. And I remember talking to my mom about that and, and she said, while you may be ready, maybe what is next for you isn't ready yet. And God is still preparing that for you. Ooh which I think were some of the most richest words of wisdom that she ever gave me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even even now in my life, my daughter saying things to me like, Mom, the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God. It's, it's like that message has been with me all along, but I never recognized it. Yeah. And so... That's, those are just some of the most affirming things. Yeah. But yeah. That is so crazy. Yeah. And I think somebody asked me, we were recently at a conference and we were talking about our Enneagram types. We'll have a whole podcast on the Enneagram. We're, we're not there yet, friends. But so I'm identifying, I'm telling, she's like, what's your type? I'm like, I'm a two and I, um, I'm, a, I'm a giver and I'm a helper. And she's like, what do you think makes you good at that or why do you think what gift have you been given from God there's something something along those lines and I said I think I have a passionate curiosity about people yeah and I think that that is why I can't do work (laughs) I can't just crunch numbers and you know like an accountant and be fulfilled because I'm just deeply interested in people right in their lives and their thoughts and their feelings and I I need to be a part of that yeah yeah so yeah we're gonna have to do something on the Enneagram because yeah. it it really is a great resource and it really I think unpacks this idea that everybody is knit together differently and so everybody's gonna have their strengths and everybody's gonna have their challenges right. and those are so closely intertwined it's just fascinating yeah but um but yeah okay I want you okay. to talk about your story I okay. want you to t- t- tell me take me through all the things about how you got to where you are now how I got to where I am and now. how you recognized yeah what you were being called to do so I grew up um, at a Presbyterian church and I really f- feel like looking back, I felt like a child of that church. Um, I really felt like people knew me and my family. Um, I feel like my parents were in a separate club with a bunch of couples and all of the kids were the same age. We, I was in handbells and all the things. So people knew. You were in handbells? I was Oh my gosh, I, I was in handbells. I don't know how to read music. <laughs> so I'm not sure how I did that because... 
Did somebody I, just circle the music? The I note think that's for you? how that's it, what someone yeah, did. Okay, for me. okay, cool. that's okay. a side side note. We, Genevieve and I just realized we just did handbells as growing up in our churches <laughs> right. together. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. So, so I, I discern that I really like teaching at some point. That I think I'm going to be a middle school teacher. I don't really know why I wanted to do middle grades. I think maybe because it could lead into high school and it, it gave me a lot of options, but I was doing this uh, Presbyterian youth cross-church retreat weekend called Arise, and it was kind of similar to some other programs like Chrysalis or Teens Encounter Christ, these weekends where youth are leading the weekend, they're giving the talks, they're leading these small group discussions, they're leading the worship services, but they're partnered with adults, Mm -hmm. and they do lots of training and prep, Um, and then they put on the weekend and so other high schoolers go as guests and they don't really know what's going on but they're like wow look at all of these students in leadership roles so I'm a part of this and I think that's where I really get an understanding of like event planning slash flow in high school so I'm like I'm all in I mean I in, in these weekends and then at my church well I end up going to Appalachian State to be a middle school teacher and I tell this story because it's so true. I I knew I was going to be an education major, so I'm taking all of these gen ed classes with a, a bend towards going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So the first Christmas break, they're like, you need to go home because you're going to have to choose, you know, English, English and social studies or math and science. So go home, sit in some classes so that you can figure out which two are going to be like your specialty, which was a great kind of hazing technique because <laughs> college students in North Carolina get out a few weeks before public schools do. So I'm back in my home middle school with some of my favorite teachers and some new teachers and the kids are just crazy. I mean, it's right before school gets out for Christmas. I mean, the, the worst time. I mean, yeah, it was just like I sat there and all the teachers were really doing was classroom management. Right. And I was like, I can't be this mean. It would be impossible for me to be this mean. And so I come back totally like, what am I going to do? What I thought this was, I had a pretty clear vision. That's why I even chose this school. What am I going to do now? And my roommate at the time, who was an Arise friend, had just switched from being an art major to a recreation management major. And all this time in high school, middle school, high school, I'm going to this Methodist church camp at the coast of North Carolina, and I love it. First of all, it's co-ed. Second of all, it's full of adventure. We're going on sailing camping trips. Instead of packing all of our stuff in a backpack to go hike and backpack, we're piling it all in dry bags on little baby sailboats and sailing to campsites and camping. I mean, I just, it was everything and more that I loved about all of life. So... I take a class, so I'm like, all right, sign me up for all my gen ed classes, cancel me out of all my teaching classes, and I'm going to take an intro to recreation class, because my roommate's just telling me how great it is. And I sit in my first intro to recreation class, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is camp. Mm-hmm. This is learning how to do camp and other stuff. I mean, you could run golf courses and country clubs and pools and aquatic centers and gyms and all the things, but I was like, that my intro to rec class, it just melded with Arise, with church stuff, and with this camp that I'm kind of obsessed with. So I end up being a recreation management major. End up, um, I'm involved in campus ministry because I I just am like 
so in my Presbyterian church, it was like kind of the farthest thing from what you experienced Mm -hmm. and um, not the farthest, but we didn't have full-time paid youth people. We had volunteers and it was really all about building great community. We did not really, we had Sunday school where we would go through book studies about the Bible, Mm -hmm. but I really, the times that I really read the Bible and was really thinking about what Jesus did in the world was at Arise, mm-hmm. and which was Presbyterian, but not in my home church. So I get to school, and I meet all these conservative evangelical folks that are just, like, so passionately in love with Jesus. And I'm like, I am so drawn to that mm-hmm. in you. Like, I want to study the Bible. I want to have a quiet time. And I remember even my roommate who grew up Baptist, was Presbyterian, were... I'm in this campus ministry with her and I'm loving it. I mean, we're reading like the whole book of Corinthians because it's a letter. How could you read a piece of a letter? I'm like, what? Nobody explained this to me before. So I'm, I'm really, I'm loving it. And my roommate comes to me. She's like, yeah, I think I'm going to give my testimony about when I was saved. When were you saved? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, what do you mean? What am I talking about? I was like, well, I guess when Jesus died on the cross is when I was saved. Right. And so this language of being saved was never a part of my tradition. And so she was like, you haven't said the sinner's prayer? And I was like, "I, what are you talking about? She's right. like, in the Bible. I was like, nobody told me there was a sinner's prayer in the Bible? <laughs> what were these people doing? So she shows me the part. I'm At that point, I'm like, well, this doesn't say, say this, and you're going to get into heaven. Right. Like, that's not explicit in the passage that she shows right. me. So I'm like, well, I have had moments. I'm sure it's a Romans passage. Passage. Okay. I don't even remember because at that point, my, like, eyebrows get furled. I'm like, wait a second. Right. Okay. So we talk a little bit about this, and I'm like, no, I've definitely had moments where I recommitted my life to Jesus. And for me, confirmation, my confirmation experience was one of those. Um, also just later with these arise weekends, there are some services of wholeness and healing. And based on what was going on in my life in high school, like those were really powerful moments. Um, but so we, we kind of talked that out and flesh that out about different traditions, but I just, I really kind of fell in love with Jesus again. And so I end up though, uh, this is this is certainly a part of my faith story and calling, but I end up falling in love with a guy at camp and he gets a job in Raleigh afterwards. I am actually get involved in young life ministry and so I'm a young life middle school wildlife leader and so um, I actually have an internship opportunity out in um, Colorado at a camp called Trail West to be this young life intern that gets to do all the different parts to eventually come on staff. And then this camp that I've been going to and been a camp counselor, sailing staff, a leadership person, invites me to come and after the summer join their full-time staff and run summer camp. Mm. So I'm like, well, this guy that I love is going to be in Raleigh. I love Young Life, but also I think this is my dream job. This is like what I've gone to school for. Oh my gosh, this is my dream job. I have to do it. Right. So. I ended up taking the job at the camp and moving to rural, rural North Carolina. Um, and it's a Methodist camp. So the director was a Methodist pastor and, um, really loving it. I think, I think there's a lot of people that are 22 that get out of school with a job that's in their major and 
they are ready to save the world. They're like ready to put all the stuff they learned into action. And I am an extroverted extrovert. I need people all the time. I don't want to be by myself ever. So I'm in this teeny tiny little town and have no community. Um, Right? During the summer, all the people are there because summer camp's my job. And then in the winter, everybody's back at school and I've got to find community of young adults. And all the young adults that I meet through churches, they're all married with babies. And I'm like, no offense to people that are married with babies. I am dating my boyfriend long distance in Raleigh. I have no idea what you guys are going through. And actually, it looks a little scary. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) whoa. Yeah. So, I end up just really working all the time. I'm working in the office from like 8 a.m. because they serve breakfast. So, I'm in really early. I'm staying till 8, 8 9 o'clock at night, going home, still doing more work on my laptop, and the to-do list never shrinks. It never shrinks. And I think, too, there was there were some generational things. Nobody ever told me, stop working this much, right? So I'm doing things. I'm able to implement my ideas. And about a year in, I get pretty burned out. Um, but my boyfriend is planning on he can work from home so he's planning on getting an apartment in New Bern like this is gonna be great well switches companies or the part of the company gets bought so I'm stuck in New Bern I end up helping some folks start a young life area um, which was a really interesting process of praying through things before we get start and I get started and think that I'd always known, you know, we want to pray, we want to lift this up to God, but I really saw what can happen when you gather people together to pray through something Mm -hmm. even months before something gets started, Mm -hmm. because that's really how it gets put on your heart to really be thinking creatively about it. Um, But that was a huge, interesting, fabulous experience. And I'm continuing to work at this camp, continuing to work. I'm getting better and better at boundaries, which I find it really interesting that sometimes you only put up boundaries when you need them. A lot of times you don't start out with great boundaries. Right. You have to put them in place because you realize, whoa, whoa, I'm getting, I'm getting hurt. So I've got to put this in place. So finally, um, at the end, I am... I I lasted three years full-time because I was just so, so burned out. But I loved the work. I got to be a supervisor. I got to hire people. I ended up firing some people, which I learned how to do, you know, better and better from taking it really personally than doing the things Mm -hmm. that from the get-go we were like, listen, if you do these things, you're going to get fired. And, you know, surprise, you didn't come back from your night off on time. I have to let you go. And that, that felt so personal because I had hired these people. I had poured into these people and then later got to say, unfortunately, these are the consequences of your actions. I love you. And this is not about who you are. This is about what we said when we hired you. And I hope you apply next year. Right? Mm. Like, whoa, those are so different. Yeah. How could you have done this? Yeah. What? You don't respect me or whatever. So fascinating. I end up just feeling we've, I've dated my college sweetheart for a few years now I'm ready to get married still don't have great community in New Bern and end up getting a job at a clinical research company doing hiring paperwork for CRA 
A's or CNAs or something. All right, so let me ask you this. Yeah. So you're kind of at your dream job. I'm at my dream job. And now, so people-oriented. Yeah. So fulfilling. Right. And then you're going to work at a clinical research company. Oh, yeah. I totally took this, this job, A, to escape because it was so, going to be so painful to leave. Yeah. I couldn't, I tried applying for some jobs at other camps and YMCAs and it wasn't, I, I honestly couldn't see myself doing what I was doing anywhere else. Like it was, it was, I think it actually like broke my heart hmm. to have to leave because, and it was all burnout related. Um, so this job was more money, less hours. It was actually an hourly job and I was getting paid thousands of dollars more than I was. And so I was like, perfect, clear boundaries. Cause I'm an hourly employee, more money. And I'm just, I'm just having people fill out their NC4s and I9s like ain't no thing. Let's go. So I am doing that and pretty bored out of my mind. Also corporate America does not welcome um, loud, passionate women. <laughs> so I'm in this office. I'm ready to like make changes and, you know, inspire people at the coffee station. And people are just they're They want people that are heads down getting it done. Right. So a, I'm like noticing what people are being really successful. Also the clinical research company that I was at was in transition and about to go through more transition. So everybody's fearing for their jobs, a very fear culture place, which I was not used to either. Um, I end up having all this free time on my hands that I'd never had before because I have an hourly job that I don't really care that much about. So I end up starting a Bible study with some folks to get these camp kids who come to this church camp feel like they have this great Christian community, but don't have that back at home. Well, why don't we meet at different churches and have them meet the youth pastor and maybe then they'll, they'll join that youth group. Well, fortunately that's not how youth group works either. People go where their friends go and doesn't matter how cool your youth pastor is. doesn't matter how beautiful the place is. If people don't feel known, they're right. not, they, they won't show up more than a few times. Mm-hmm. So, but the first time I'm there, the youth pastor, I'm doing my game thing. I'm, we're singing camp songs. We're doing, doing the thing. And I was just the boss lady, right? So people are following my lead, even though I'm not technically in charge of this. And, um, the youth pastor says, Hey, we have a job opening as the associate youth director. I, I heard you said you just got a job, but you should apply for this job. And I was like, no way. And he was like, well, there's a whole process. So just, you know, hang, hang on. You don't have to decide right now, but I'm telling you, I think this is what, I think you should do this. So crazy things end up happening at the office that make it a lot more tumultuous in the corporate world, um, just in, in my department. And then I'm realizing I really am equipped to do youth ministry. So I end up going in for the interview and I remember leaving Goodberries and thinking, all right, Lord, like if this is not where you want me, I guess I'm going to start applying to, to youth ministry jobs mm. because this is clearly where my passion, where my heart is, mm, yeah. which was such a weird thing, thinking that I was really a, like, maybe a YMCA person or um, maybe a teacher, still still thinking maybe I could be a teacher, but really um, the really what God was calling me to was to use 
these passions and this these things that I've been equipped with to do youth ministry. Mm-hmm. So I've been hanging out with students and leaders for only a few years now, and that's kind of where I got here. But, like, it really, it's so interesting. I think when you're really young, you think that there's still the idea that you're going to have a job forever, and people are very critical. Um, older generations are very critical that, that these younger generations have so many different jobs and so many things are different, just so many things are different. But I do think that you still think, oh, I'm going to be a teacher and I'll be a teacher for 40 years and mm-hmm. it'll be great. And that works out for some people. And yet a big majority of the women that we talk to, it really is about putting one step in front of the other and making the best decision that you can at the time, knowing that things can change and things will change. But the ways that I love the idea of like the thread in between things. Um, Another thing that's been really interesting about call and the meaningful work has been about the ways that your experiences are so unique to you. Nobody who's ever lived the same life that you have has the same experiences. And so the gifts that you, Laura Boisvere Boyd, bring to the place that you do your meaningful work is different and unique than anybody else that could be doing it because the time is different. Mm. Um, And so this idea of listening to people's call and listening to their story and listening to the way that their faith develops from one place to another place to another place to another place, I think that we find this story so fascinating because it's when you take a step back that you can see that thread through it all. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the midst of it, when you're calling out, you can't see anything. You can't see nothing. <laughs> in the middle of the storm, you can't see right. anything. Right. And so I I love this idea that when we are in the storm, we remember that God, the times that God was faithful. Yeah. We remember the faithful times mm-hmm. to remind us how we move forward yeah. in faith. Yeah. But, um, so I think our, our question, our charge, what would your charge be to people listening to this right now in your car, doing dishes, or on your walk? The charge is look for your threads. Yeah. What is your thread? Start sewing. <laughs> Get your thread. Start. Pick up your thread. Start sewing. And, and start talking and telling your story to other people because... You might not think it's meaningful, but it's going to be meaningful. I'm telling you, handbells, church. Handbells. You never know what thing you're going to connect to somebody <sighs> else, and it's going to bond you forever and ever. Amen. The, amen. Well, you guys have a great rest of your day, podcast world. All right, friends. Until next time. Peace. Peace.